Isn't the king wonderful? Isn't it good to know him? Isn't it good to know he's the king of kings? He's not just an everyday average king. No, no, no. He's the king of kings. And we are part of his wonderful kingdom. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, how's your week been? Where's the rest you've been all week in bed? <laughs> Having an interesting week. Actually, it's with God, most weeks can be interesting. If we really get after Him. Father, 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 Isn't it good to know the king's presence is amongst us? You know, so often we can say words, but we don't really mean them. We just say them because we come to church. Just part of our humanity. And this morning as we're worshiping God, that was great, Phil, by the way. Bless you for that. As we're worshiping God, I said, Father... What's your will in heaven for us on earth today? Because don't we pray the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm saying, Father, what's your will in heaven today for us to experience on earth? That's what I was asking God. And I looked, and I could see the throne in heaven. Then I could see all these doves flying around. I thought, what does this mean, God? You remember last week I spoke about the dove is here to stay. Well, the dove's here to stay amongst us. I said, God, the dove like that was no, that. The dove's here amongst us, and that's right, the dove is here. All these doves flying around, they want a landing place on you and me. Okay? Individually, the dove of the Holy Spirit wants to land upon you today. Do you want the dove to land upon you today in a new way? Good. We'll wait at the end for that. Because we're on this journey, we're on this prophetic journey. And last Sunday, you know, the King's presence was amongst us and it's still here today. And today, this is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. You know what Pentecost means? It's not just a celebration in the park. We can get to the place thinking Pentecost just means we celebrate the birthday of something that happened in the Bible or Christians just get together in the park. That's the meaning of Pentecost. 
See, Pentecost in the park, when people, when Christians come together, that's good. You know, Pentecost in the park, that's good. Pentecost in our hearts, much better. That's the problem with having dates and things. We begin to take them for granted and we forget what the very purpose of the thing is we're supposed to be celebrating. And on today of all days, or leading up to this day, as Christians, really, we should be God. We want more of what you've got for us because in the first day of Pentecost, power came from heaven to earth and filled and equipped the disciples. They then went out and changed the world. Well, if we haven't changed the world yet, maybe we need a bit more power from heaven. So Pentecost in the park is good. Bless it. But Pentecost in our heart is better. And I want Pentecost in my heart. You know, I'm using all the power I've got at the moment. I'm giving it away as much as I can. I'm using it all up. I'm praying for the sake. I'm talking to people about Jesus. I'm trying to live the life. I'm doing what I can do, but I want more. And the good thing is, for us as Christians, you know, we can celebrate Christmas, we can celebrate Easter, we can celebrate Pentecost, we can celebrate all the dates in the Christian calendar, you know, when the birthdays come up, but we can also celebrate them every day of the week and every day of the year. We don't have to wait for the 25th of December to celebrate the fact Jesus Christ came, was born of the Virgin Mary. We don't have to wait till Easter time to celebrate on the cross he conquered the power of sin, sickness, and death. We don't have to wait to Pentecost to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That can happen for us every day of the week. And we can live in the good of these things every day of the week. Isn't that good news? Praise God. So, Father, I think we need another Pentecost. You see, the reason... The Holy Spirit came. It says in Acts 1.8, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in the Thampton, the region, the nation, to the ends of the earth. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? You shall receive power to be my witnesses. Not just for another nice charismatic knees up. Power to be my witnesses. In the Thampton, the region, the nation, to the ends of the earth. Well, at least have an amen, for goodness sake. It's what the Bible says. You know, this is normal Christianity I'm talking about. This is normal. I'm not talking about some things away out over the sea or away into, you know, out of space. This is normal Christianity. This morning I want to study up, fire you up. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, where was I last Sunday? Might be a bit like that today. Last Sunday, the king was amongst us. Amazing feedback and people getting touched. And that's great. That was last Sunday. We can't live back... We don't want to be saying to people, well, I remember back last Sunday in Kingdom Life Church when the king turned up. Actually, he was here again today. See? He's going to be here next. He's going to be here tomorrow. Not just on Sundays. The king can turn up on Monday. Did you know that? It's amazing, isn't it? 
Because sometimes he turns up not in church. Imagine that. Imagine King Jesus turning up when not even in church. That's crazy. Anyway, back to where I was. Last Sunday, the king turned up. Monday night, we got together as elders and leaders, and the king turned up. But this way, it was a different way. And I had that sense of this holy presence in front of me. And I thought, Lord, what do you want? And he reminded me of these verses. Then I'm going to read it from Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 12 through to chapter 6, verse 5. In the book of Joshua, okay? It says this, Then the man had ceased in the day after they'd eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, I'm in charge of this. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when you make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. You know, Joshua and the children of Israel, they'd been round the wilderness, and here they were back at the entrance, they'd crossed Jordan, And now they were back right in the promised land, which is what God had promised to give them in the first place. And Joshua has this encounter. But what I find interesting about this, just in some of the background of this, you know, they'd come into the promised land. They'd circumcised all those who hadn't been circumcised because they'd been 40 years in the wilderness. Then they'd eaten the feast of of Passover. Then they ate some of the produce of the land. The day after they ate it, the manna ceased. Remember, God had been feeding them with manna for 40 years. The day after they ate the produce of the land, the manna ceased. In other words, a new season had begun. Remember the dove? A new season had begun. Joshua, coming to the edge of the promised land, no more manna, eat the produce of the land, a new season has begun. That's just a confirmation to us of the church. A new season has begun. That's for us individually and corporately, a new season has begun. And 
At the elders' meeting, when we shared this, we felt that what we were going to do, we were going to act this out prophetically. So on the Monday night, we put some chairs in the middle of the room. We just went round them once. And then we agreed that what we were going to do this week, when we worked it out, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there was actually six days before Sunday. So each day this week, we agreed in our own homes, we would walk around the table once. Signifying we're walking around the fountain and we're saying we're taking the fountain for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. So we've done that for six days. This morning, we walked around the table seven times, signifying we're taking the fountain for the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. That's what we've been doing this week. And what I find is, it's, it's interesting, but uh, you can get a build-up factor. And as the week has gone on, there's been a, a build-up, an anticipation in my heart of what God wants to do amongst us. On that Monday night when I went home, I was just getting into bed, and God reminded me of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So when you put that together with these verses in Joshua, what it means is this. That yes, we've been walking around prophetic symbolism, believing we're going to take Northampton and the walls are going to come down. At the same time, God wants to give us power to be witnesses to take Northampton. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give us power so we can be witnesses in Northampton and the region and in the nation and to the very ends of the earth. And I believe that's what he wants to do today. The question is, do you want it? No, does no one want it? Can I have an Annie? Sometimes I need to get in some of these churches where they shout, Hallelujah, preacher, preach it. You know, we've got to be hungry for these things. God meets us according to our hunger and our thirst. Some wise man says revival begins with a thirst. We have got to be hungry and thirsty for the things of God. If you're hungry and thirsty, God will meet you. If you're not, sort it out with God. There needs to be a hunger for these things. Otherwise, I'm in the wrong church, or you're in the wrong church. Well, one of us is. Seriously. You see, this call upon the church, God has always had the call upon this church to pursue his perfecting revival purposes and pursue his presence and his power. That's our calling. Now, if that's not you, you're in the wrong church. Serious. Because that's where we're going. And that's what we're after. And I want people that are with us. Hallelujah. So God wants to give us power so we can take our town and region and the nation for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. You know, whether you want to call it walls or call it mountains of influence, in 1975, Bill Bright, a campus crusade, Lauren Cunningham of YWAM, and another man called Francis Schaeffer were all given the same vision, and God spoke about seven mountains of influence in society and said, if we can take these seven mountains, we can win society. Can you put the seven mountains up, please? 
seven mountains in society. These seven mountains, God wants us to take in Northampton. Now, within these mountains, there are subgroups. And the question is today, you see, God wants to equip us with power to take a mountain. Yes, we want to see the supernatural. We want to see people saved. We want to see people healed. Of course we do. But we've also got to start taking the mountains of influence in society. And so the question I would ask you, what mountain of influence are you going to try and take? What mountain are you going to go for? We'll leave that up for you all day so you can write down the seven mountains. But I believe that God wants us to pray and ask him, God, what mountain do you want me to take for you? Because that's how we're going to advance the kingdom in this place. It's not just through coming together on church and Sundays or going to our small groups. We've got to seriously take the mountains. Hallelujah, Lord. When the, on Tuesday morning, interesting, in a prayer meeting, someone had this picture of the, the Manchester United bus. I thought, well, that must be God. It's Manchester United, isn't it? And they, you know, when, it, when they did this to and Manchester United won the league, you know that, do you? Manchester United won the league, okay. And they were going around Manchester in the bus, as they do. And when the person was saying this, the crowd must have had that build-up in sense of anticipation as the bus drew nearer. Until it got opposite them, then they were given a big cheer. And I thought, that's what God wants. He wants of that sense of build-up and anticipation as we press on in God's purposes. That sense of anticipation. That sense of expecting God to use us. That sense of, hey, I can do something here to help advance the kingdom. That was Tuesday. On Wednesday, as you can see, it's been quite an interesting week for me. On Wednesday, again at the prayer meeting, there was this thought, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. See, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says these, these exact words. It says this, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, if you look through Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, it picks out the fact that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they got to the edge of the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies into the land, one from each of the tribes. And they saw it was a wonderful land. But they also saw there was giants in the land. And ten of the spies had a bad report and said, there's no way we can take the land. The giants are too big for us. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land. Caleb says later on, give them this mountain. You know, whatever it is, we can take the land. But because of their unbelief, they to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I don't want 40 years in the wilderness, do you? I want to take the land. Isn't it interesting that when Joshua and the guys came the second time around, he only sent in two. That was wisdom. He saw what happened the first time around. 
It's so easy to get a group and you get some negativity, it affects the whole group. So easy for that. And that's what happened. They had 40 years in the wilderness because they were not willing and obedient. They were actually in unbelief. They were not willing and obedient, but they were in unbelief. So the question is, are we in unbelief or are we willing and obedient to take the land this time around? Are we going to be willing and obedient to take our town this time around? Or are we just going to go round the wilderness? The choice is ours, you see. Choose life. God always sets choices before us. And there's a choice before us as a church today. Are we going to be willing and obedient and go in to take the land? Or are we going to do another circuit in the wilderness? I mean, praise God in the wilderness. God was so good to them. He fed them with manna and their clothes and their sandals didn't even wear out. Isn't that amazing? That's in the wilderness. So how much better must it be in the promised land? If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Who wants to eat the good of the land? Maybe you don't know what the good of the land is. Well, I've written some things down here that are the good of the land. It says this, reigning in life through the abundance of grace, which includes all of the following. See, I believe it's all grace. But under that banner, I've written down this, and there's probably many, many more things we could have. Salvation, healing, deliverance. Knowing the Father's love and their identity as his sons and daughters. Having a prosperous soul. Being filled with love, joy, and peace. Having good, healthy relationships with God and people. Being richly provided for with some left over to give away. Walking in God's calling upon our lives. Using our God-given gifts to bless others. Receiving grace and favor wherever we go. Seeing the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. Having our prayers answered experiencing the goodness of God in every area of life and ministry, being eager to get out of bed in the morning to begin a new day. That's a big one. God blessing us to be a blessing, seeing our towns and cities being healed and restored, seeing our nation turn back to God, living in the overflow of revival all the days of our life, enjoying to the full the superabundant life that God has given us. Now, who wants some of that? That's the good of the land. And there's probably many, many other things you could put down there, but that's the good of the land. And God sets that there before us, but we've got to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. The question is then, are we going to be willing and obedient and do all that we can do to take our city or our town for Jesus Christ and the kingdom? Or are we just going to be content with having nice meetings within these four walls? Because if we are, brothers and sisters, we are in unbelief and we're not being willing and obedient and we will not eat the good of the land. Now that's a challenge for me as well as for you. But this is reality. This is reality. You see, sometimes we say, God, we want to return to New Testament Christianity. Well, New Testament Christianity, they were constantly witnessing to unbelievers and trying to win people to the kingdom of God. That's what they were doing. That is New Testament Christianity. And in our nation for years, lots of churches have thrived because of church transfers, including our own, but not so much through salvation. Well, this new season is a season for salvation. God wants to win people to Jesus. 
The thing is, are we up for it? Because yes. <laughs> that's what it's about. Yes, we'll still have our meetings and God will still touch people in here. I, I believe all sorts of amazing things will happen in here. But the new season is power to be witnesses. Power to be witnesses. So I believe this, this is a new season. The dove is here to stay. But do you want your personal dove this morning in a fresh way? We must continue to pursue God's presence. We must continue to seek God for more power to be his witnesses. We must demonstrate the supernatural power of the kingdom. We must bring kingdom values and influence to bear on the seven mountains within society. We need to do that. Praise God, the values leaflets are going out. That's great. But we need to do more than that. You know, praise God for what Clive does because he has influence in the education mountain. You know, he meets with MPs and he's got to write articles about uh, things in Christian education that come uh, that, that, uh, and respond to what they write in the newspapers. He's bringing influence in that mountain of education. And it's that kind of thing. God, what can we do? And he can, as you see, he can break them down into subgroups. But there's something that all of us can do to bring influence. Wherever we are in a workplace, we can bring influence in one way or another. And we need to start to bring influence for Jesus Christ. And we need to be intentional about it. That's the thing. If we're not intentional about these things, they don't very often happen. So we need to be intentional about these things and seek to bring influence to these mountains within our society, especially in Northampton, because that's where we live. <laughs>